Welcome to Break It Down, a ScanSource podcast brought to you by Cisco. On this podcast, we take complex tech topics and break them down for the non-tech listener with your host, Ian, Kyle, and Philip. It is another edition of Break It Down, a ScanSource podcast brought to you by Cisco. And I am back once again, joined by my co-hosts, Kyle and Philip. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing great. It's Friday. We're talking about money. It's, it's a good combination. That is true. I'm a little full, uh, to be honest. I know Cisco's, this is sponsored by Cisco, but thanks to Cisco sponsoring something else, I had to eat a bunch of wings earlier. So Philip competed valiantly in a wing eating contest and earlier today. There's, you know, if you're not first, you're last. If you uh, if you hear snoring, you were I guess tied for third, so that's of note. I appreciate that. That sounds good, but when you know there's only six people that can beat it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, as Kyle alluded to, uh, this is our contactless payment edition. So uh, this is a term and a buzzword, and really, I think a concept that uh, has been around for a while, Kyle. I'm sure you're going to tell me when, but really, truly, I think, took off like Bitcoin uh, (laughs) over the past eight months or so since uh, obviously the pandemic began and people began being conscious about how they were, what they were touching and what they were paying with. uh, I feel like this was brought to the forefront. Yeah, congratulations on the callback in the first 60 seconds of the podcast to Bitcoin. Bitcoin uh, booming, by the way. Yeah, so you're you're right on uh, contactless payment or touchless payment methods have been around for a while. I mean, we really started seeing it in the mid-2000s. The current retail climate, for sure, is speeding along the adoption of uh, contact pay- payment contactless payment methods. And that's, you know, that's literally everything from using a a tap to pay device like your credit card or using all the in vogue things like Apple Pay and Google Pay and paying with phones and watches and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's uh, for sure, it's becoming way more relevant. This uh, This is one of those industries that can't develop fast enough for consumers for sure and it's interesting and we'll i'm sure we'll we'll get into it but this is one of those those odd technologies that unfortunately doesn't help us uh with our online uh purchases at all this is literally just evolution of paying in person uh, or, or paying in a in a retail environment so which which in and of itself is interesting because and you kind of just alluded to it there's been a huge shift in buying behavior to purchasing things online. So it's been interesting to see something kind of develop and succeed in the way that this has in an industry that overall is moving to a different direction. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Like, I, um, you know, online, online transactions right now, the, the buy online and have delivered to you model, it, never more relevant than it is now. People are, or literally not leaving their homes for anything and having groceries delivered and lunch delivered and all that kind of stuff. So uh, the online payment methods uh, or, or the, the online payment transactions, the number of them are dramatically increasing. And honestly, out of, uh, out of all of the payment methods you could make in 2020, that's probably one of the least 
I won't say least secure. I would say most wrought with fraud uh, paying online. But, you know, there's there's all these weird acronyms that are coming up now, like BOPUS, buy online, pick up and store. But that's the that's the new commerce transaction as people are buying online, uh, picking up in store or having delivered to them or doing curbside pickups. And uh, as you said, all, all of this, these technolo- technological advance- advancements that are happening uh, within the retail space with payment terminals is kind of getting overlooked. That's good. That's just what this industry needs is more acronyms. I've been, I've been yeah. clamoring for it. Yeah. So at a really basic level, and I'm just, I'm just thinking through this as having a wallet in my back pocket and I can go through contactless purchasing using a debit card in my wallet, how easy it is for someone to walk by behind me and just scam my wallet? Yeah, so that's 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 the question. That that always comes up with the when you when you start talking about the security elements. And it may take me a long time, Phil, to get to that answer uh, as I talk through here. But uh, in, we saw as credit cards started becoming more proliferant, they were all mag stripes, right? So and mag stripes are easy to spoof and easy to duplicate and oh by the way in the old school credit card transaction when you're uh, in a in a retail environment all they all the merchant had um, as a form of identification was this scribbled signature on the back of the card and and you guys have been you're barely old enough uh, to remember those interactions, but no one ever checked that signature versus anything else to compare. No. I worked re- I've worked retail and I, there, people used to put hello and smiley faces. Yeah. I don't think I've ever signed one. Yep. So that was the other thing is I, I spent many years never signing mine because I'd always heard that if you don't sign them, then whatever you were protected, which is just not the case at all. No, that's definitely not true. Yeah. So after that, after that, uh, mode of paying with credit cards moved to what you all know as as chip or pen and chip or EMB, all, all of those acronyms out there. When we started to see credit cards with these little chips built into them, that was a way to provide more uh, security, more credibility, more authentication at the time that somebody was paying at the terminal. Well, initially those you know, those things are little mini processors or, or microprocessors. They're, they're miniature computers built into your credit card, which is bizarre to think of. But that has since evolved into this truly touchless tap to pay is a misnomer. You don't actually have to tap anything. It just has to be near the device. Uh, but but Phil, to your, your question, if you can get a credit card just near a payment device and complete a transaction. What keeps somebody from getting something similar near enough to you to read your information? So it's a, it's a very valid question. I would say just a quick, you know, try not to get too in the weeds on the, on the, the technical elements of it, but you have to be super close. I mean, this is near field communication. This is RFID, it's radio frequencies. It's, electromagnetic fields. I just said I wasn't going to get technical. Right? <laughs> the electromagnetic fields. Yeah. yeah, I went super technical. But anyway, the, the point is anybody that would be trying to access the data off of one of these cards uh, would have to be extremely close, like less than four centimeters in some cases, less than four inches in some cases. 
And even if you're that close, you can't actually read real data off of the card. Uh, you know, another callback, we talked about blockchain and how transactions are encoded and there's cryptography and all of those types of things. That's how a transaction works with tap to pay or contactless pay. And that that interaction, the password, whatever you want to call it, is only good for that one interaction. So it really doesn't do any good to for hackers to try to intercept the transaction uh, and learn anything from it. So this this whole uh, concept of like, well, buy an NFC blocking wallet so that people, while you're walking through busy oh, yeah, subway terminal block, you know, it, it, you're really, really unlikely to uh, experience any fraudulent activity from that. We, we can get into to whatever level of detail you guys want on how credit card transactions get processed, but they involve multiple banks and the odds of someone you know, intercepting your credit card information in a public environment and then successfully transact- transacting funds that, that transfer between your bank and other banks, super slim. Yeah. NFC blocking wallets, I feel like we're the beanie babies of the tech world. Yeah. Whoa. I still have beanie babies, man. But they, they have <laughs> I'm like, sure people still have NFC blocking wallets. My daughter still plays with my beanie babies from when I was a kid. And she's four. I mean, the beanie babies have been around forever. No one's carrying around probably in 10 years one of these wallets. I Let's hope not. So, Kyle, you know I love security and you kind of just touched on it a little bit. But... One thing I thought was interesting, and I mean, it makes sense, right, is that true, like, contactless payment, and I'm talking, I guess, the the phone, more of the phone technology, is significantly more secure than MagStripe cards. Oh, yeah. And what's interesting is I feel like when when Apple Pay came out, and, and maybe this was just me and my dumb brain, but people were very hesitant to jump to Apple Pay because they felt like it was, the, oh, it's the cloud. And where I know we're going to do an entire another episode on the cloud, yeah. but uh, I'm going to get hacked and my credit card information is going to be out there. But in actuality, it was way safer. Yeah, that's right. So just to, to, to check off the, the mag strike element of this podcast, th- those are very easy to duplicate. And I'm sure you guys have all experienced it. I know I've experienced it where uh, in the U.S., uh, you still hand your card to the wait staff at a restaurant and they walk away with it and, and then they come back, right? So uh, so the skimming is a problem. And uh, if you skim a mag stripe, you can rip, replicate the mag stripe. And as we talked about earlier, uh, if all you have to go off of is the signature on the back of the card and that no one ever checks, well, uh, you can duplicate a card very easily that doesn't have a chip in it and, it, and it's not one of these new things that we're talking about. So, yes, anything's infinitely more secure uh, than than the way we used to do uh, credit cards with mag stripes. But in the, the touchless payment uh, delivery through phones and key fobs and watches and all of those types of things, uh, you and you guys probably have done this uh, when you set up your you set up apple pay on an i on your iphone uh, you provide your credit card number up front um, as you're setting it up but what happens in the background is apple sends a request to your bank to the issuing bank of that credit card indicating that you're trying to set up touchless pay and that issuing bank gives back a token 
They give back uh, essentially they what they give back is a fake credit card number, uh, which then Apple compiles into what's called a token. And the token is what is stored on your phone. And if anybody gets access to your phone or hacks the transaction, the best they can get is that token number or the token information. And you can't reverse engineer the token back into the original credit card number. It's impossible. So that's what makes it so secure. It's not the, it's not necessarily that you have to provide your fingerprint or your face ID at the time you're transacting, although that's immensely more <laughs> valuable than, than MagStripe's on its own. But the tokenization of your credit card information, who you are, uh, what the bank is, how, uh, what the, the size of the transaction is, all of that stuff makes that transaction the most secure thing we can do. And not to mention the, the NFC uh, element to it that you literally have to be within centimeters or inches of the device in order to transact with it. And it's a one-time transaction. So uh, immensely more secure than the old school method. So as retailers and I mean, just as people have moved towards this over the last couple of years, you know, there seems to have been constant change in like point of sale. How, you know, this is becoming more secure, but how much has this really cost and is this a very expensive move for retailers and all these entities that have to go through this? Yeah, it's a good question. So the, the um, payment devices themselves that you interact with in a grocery store or a restaurant, those things have supported this technology, this, the near field communication or NFC, communi or NFC technology uh, for years, for, for more than 10 years. It's supported by the hardware. This was this was something this industry had a lot of foresight into, uh, and you know again I alluded to the the, the stages of, of a payment, but once a merchant and their and the hardware at a merchant takes your credit card information and tries to transmit it through the bank, it goes through a bunch of different stages, and one of those is a payment processor, and those processors are the ones that have to support this method, and they've they've there's no cost. To the merchant, there's no cost to the store to support contactless payment. So it should be rapidly deployed. It is being rapidly deployed. I mean, if you look at some of the the studies on numbers, uh, you know, we were we the U.S. kind of late to this game as as is normal, and uh, yet we now have the most contactless cards of any country globally. I would. I would beg, I didn't look up the stat, but I, I would say we probably have the most cards, period, given the way our culture works. But we have the most contactless cards printed. And then just in, in March of this year, 31 million Americans used a tap-to-pay device or a contactless pay method to buy something. So it's, it's here, and it's here in a, in a really big way. And uh, the merchants, thankfully, have not had to make additional investments to support. So why is this? How far away are we from a cardless society? And why is contactless payment not like the future and, and mandated? So I think we are close to being cardless. I, I think my chiropractor is going to be pumped to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean... If you look at 
if you look internationally, there are certain countries now that are almost forcing their economies to become cashless because they're requiring that printed money be sanitized in between uses. So just the cost alone of supporting that makes the, the physical material of currency depreciate. So people are moving towards electronic transactions anyway. Um, you're, it's going to be a long time before people are just like you referenced earlier with, with the phones, people aren't comfortable putting their personal information in a device like a phone that they could leave behind and somebody could pick up or, it's transmitting across the cloud so they are across the internet into the cloud, quoting fingers in the air. And so they're not comfortable with it. Like it's going to take a while for, before people get past that and become more comfortable leaving behind the physical representation of their bank account, which is the credit card or the, de- or the debit card, whether or not it becomes a mandate. I, that's, that's going to be a, a long time off. I think still in, in the yes, it's a very secure transaction. You, you still do have to have, I mean, you look at when chip and pen came out, uh, there's this concept of liability shift that happened at that time where it used to be that the banks held the liability for fraudulent activity. And then they came back after EMV came out and said, look, you're, if you don't deploy this new technology and start having payment terminals, that'll, that'll accept a chip, then you, the merchant and your bank now assumes the risk of fraud. And so it almost forced this, this evolution. And that's kind of where I was thinking, but as soon as I said it, I flipped to the other side and I feel like any there, you could go to, you know, one tenth of the gas stations around here and they still don't have, they have a little thing that says no chip swipe. And I'm like, you had like, this was, I think two years ago at this point was the like October 18, yep. I think was the mandate. And I was like, I don't know how this is still the case. Yeah. It's a, it's odd. And I don't know if they're, they're leveraging a loophole here, but that transaction that you're talking about, yes, there was a mandate two years ago to change, but the, the uh, gas pump where you swipe your card in a gas pump that hasn't, the, the mandate to switch over to chip and pen for those devices didn't uh, go into effect, or I guess the deadline was October of this year. October. I met, I was meaning more inside gas stations. Yeah. Oh, I so, know. That's why I meant I think it's a loophole because yeah. it's a gas station that has yeah. that device. I, anyway, I don't know. but There's that one right by our office. I don't know. Stop a minute or whatever yeah. one is that uh, I feel like they still have the little, there's this little sticker over it. And it's like, yep, we don't have this. Yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a great opportunity for whoever provides their payment and payment processing services to go on there and make some changes. Probably a good time to refresh the network as well. Yeah. So, what's the future like here? Like, well, where are we where are we headed? Great question, Phil. Yeah. I, well, so I, I think um, I, I don't know how how sci fi do we want to get on this? I mean, very. We're not. Is there, is, is there a movie that we can reference this to? I don't know. That's I, I haven't watched it on this podcast. Yeah, I mean, how far are we from just having chips embedded in our skin somewhere, and then just using that for our whole identity? That that there's no way that's ten years out. That that's that's less than ten years out. The contactless payments through mobile devices, through wearables. Um, there are 
there are rings, like, you know, jewelry rings that you can wear that have these, you know, NFC, essentially a, a radio or a receiver for a radio in it that you can use for a contactless payment method. So the more, as much as it sounds silly, the more fashion evolves into to wearing technology uh, and the more that our devices evolve, our handheld devices, phones and tablets and things like that, the, the smaller they get, uh, more mobile um, our consumers get, the more this type of uh, payment method is going to become uh, become prevalent. But I mean, we're in a really good spot right now with this technology. There's, I would say, little, little risk in using it. Uh, the problem is going to become that like we said earlier, the less often people leave their homes to interact in a commerce transaction, the less relevant any of this technology becomes. I don't, I don't know if my fashion will ever get to a point where I need to have a ring with uh, with that in it. So No, but you could sign me up for the chip and arm, whatever oh, you want to call that. Totally. So that I'll get somewhere and realize I forgot my wallet. Which happens. Yeah, just put it all in there. Driver's license, passport info, just... This is yeah. the, the crazy future where, like, your pinky to your thumb is your phone, actually. You just... <laughs> Sign me up, pal. Yeah, yeah. We- wearable will have a whole new uh, connotation when you don't have a choice to wear it. It's embedded. Yeah. All right. Well, this was fun. Uh, I-, I would hazard a guess that at least... if. Maybe all three of us will use contactless payment at at least once this weekend. I've become a big adopter of this, honestly, Kyle. Uh, I think I talked on Don't Change Channel about it a while ago uh, with Karen Bomber of Honeywell. That's right. But I was very much the like, "Mm, nope, debit card stays my wallet, phone is my phone. And the second that I was like, oh, there's a global pandemic going on. Debit card went into phone, and I have not touched a POS terminal if I can avoid it since. Yep. Hey, just forget about the cleanliness aspect of it. The safest place for your debit card is in your phone. It's also so much faster. That's the like un- and I, security number one. Totally get it. The speed of which that transaction gets completed. There is no pin. There is no cash there's i mean there's it's just so much faster and the i mean the lines would move just it's a better process yep ian just so you know the reason i do it is because i got chastised by starbucks yeah very nicely they this really hit home for philip (laughs) very nicely they told me hey you know next time you come it'd be very nice and it would be good for us if you would download the app and use the app and when they handed me my debit card back they sanitized it and I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> to be fair, the they're looking out for your wallet as well in that you will receive many rewards now. Actually, you know, truly shout out to Starbucks for making me a more secure transactor. There you go. Clean and secure. All right, Kyle. Well, this was uh, informative, educational, relatable as always. We appreciate it. Yeah, I'm glad to have uh, at least gotten a couple of nerdy words into this one without scaring you two off. So uh, challenge uh, is out there for the next one to see just how much nerdier I can get and still stay on top. Challenge accepted. Yep. Yep. All right, boys. 
Today's interview is brought to you by Cisco WebEx. Cisco WebEx is a platform 95% of Fortune 500 companies use for their collaboration needs. WebEx Meetings brings people from all over the globe together. It's like being there in person even when you can't be. Join from any device and get HD quality audio and video and even share your screen. From online meetings to whiteboarding to file sharing with the whole team, work progresses with WebEx. It's how millions do their best teamwork.